Hello, my name is Jan, and we are reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 16. It's headed, God's wisdom revealed by the Spirit. Starting at verse 6, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the age of the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. And the Spirit declares all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Imagine, friends, for a moment that you got to meet God. What would you say to him? What would you ask? What would you really want to know about? Or put the shoe on the other foot. What about God? What, what do you reckon he would say to you? What kind of wisdom would God impart into your life if you met him? That's really what we're talking about as a, at church here. For the, a few weeks we're digging into this topic of guidance and how we hear God's voice in our lives. And this is a bit unusual for us because normally what we like to do is take a book of the Bible and just work our way through it. But for a few weeks we're pausing that and we're just diving deep into this topic of guidance. And for today, we're particularly going to talk about the Holy Spirit. For some of us, we might expect the Spirit to guide us in life. For others of us might not have ever even thought about that at all. But here's the really big thing I want to say today. The Holy Spirit guides us in life. 
Holy Spirit guidance isn't just for some Christians, you know, the elite, the special Christians who are just really in touch with God. No, no, the Spirit guides everyone who's a follower of Jesus. The Spirit guides us. Here's the question we often have, though. How? How does he do that? Today I'm going to say two things. Here's the first. The Spirit guides us by putting our eyes on Jesus. Have you ever noticed with the Holy Spirit, he's really all about Jesus? So think about Jesus' life for a moment. All through Jesus' life, the Spirit is there for Jesus' sake. So in Luke 1, the Spirit brings about the birth of Jesus. In Luke 2, the Spirit prepares Simeon to recognize and honor the baby Jesus. In Luke 4, the Spirit is on Jesus and with Jesus when he's being tempted by Satan. Again in Luke 4, the Spirit empowers Jesus for his years of ministry and preaching. And in Luke 10, the Spirit brings Jesus joy. And on and on and on it goes. The Spirit is all about Jesus. He is totally caught up in what Jesus is doing. So much so that the Spirit speaks words, but he doesn't speak his own words. He speaks Jesus' words. So look at this promise that Jesus makes to his disciples before he dies. From John chapter 16, he says, this is Jesus talking, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he'll receive what he'll make known to you. See, the Holy Spirit, he will come to Jesus' followers, and what will he say to them? Jesus' words. It's the very things Jesus gives him to say. It's the very things Jesus wants them to hear. In fact, the Spirit is so caught up in Jesus, what he really wants is to bring glory, not to himself, but to Jesus. You saw it there in those verses, right? He will glorify me. Do you see the point of this, friends? The Spirit is all about Jesus. So as the Spirit guides us, he's guiding us to have our eyes on Jesus. Before Pip and I were married, we went so we were living in New South Wales and we went to the Sydney Observatory one night. Um it's a really cool place to go. There's a whole bunch of fun stuff in there. We went on a tour. But the real highlight is not actually looking at all the stuff they've got there. It's actually looking through the telescope. They, they got us there and they showed us. Uh, you looked at, we looked at the moon. We looked at some faraway star. Uh, but the last thing we saw was the best thing. Now, set the scene for you a bit. There's maybe 15 or 20 people in a small room. This is pre-COVID. Um, and... Not everyone can obviously look through the telescope at the same time. You've all got to come up one by one. So you all look through and you see it. And They say, they say if, before you saw the last thing, they said, now don't tell anyone what you see until everyone's had a look through. So people are going through, looking through. Ooh, ah, they're loving it. I got to my turn. I went through and this is what I saw. I can't see it cool really well with the lights, but there's planet Saturn. It's a little, even a little bit blurry, actually, when you saw it through the telescope. It wasn't crystal clear, but there it was in real life. It's stunning. The whole point of going to the observatory was not to stand there and admire the telescope. That's not what the telescope is for, right? It's there so that you have your eyes set on something else. That's what the Spirit does. He wants our eyes not on Him, but on Jesus. 
He guides us by taking our eyes off the world, our eyes off all the things of this life, not to put our eyes on him, but to put our eyes on Jesus. Spirit Christians and Christians who are led by the Spirit, who are guided by the Spirit, they have their eyes on Jesus. The Spirit guides us by putting our eyes on Jesus. And he also guides us by putting our eyes on the Bible. This is the second way the Spirit guides us. Remember, the Spirit speaks Jesus' words to us. And where do we hear Jesus' words today? Right there in the Bible. And this is exactly actually how Jesus said it would work. So follow me for a moment here. But Jesus speaks to his disciples during his life on earth. And before he dies, he makes promises to them. We looked at a part of these promises earlier. Here's another one. This is from John 14. Jesus says, All this I've spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. You see, the Spirit reminds the disciples of everything Jesus said. And what do they do with that? They actually speak it too. That's what Acts chapter, the book of Acts is all about, the, the, the disciples speaking Jesus' words. But they didn't just stop at speaking it. They also wrote it down for us, which is where we get the New Testament in our Bibles. So one of those disciples, the Apostle Peter, this is his reflection on it. He says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is written by human people. Yes, that's true. But behind that stands God. Behind every page of the Bible stands the Spirit. See, he is the ultimate author of the Bibles that we have. And not only did he make it written back then, he's with us today too. Earlier, Jan read out a part of the Bible for us. And did you notice, without the Spirit, it said, this part of the Bible, without the Spirit, none of the Bible makes sense to us. So. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. Without the Spirit, we won't accept the Bible. We'll just write it off as foolishness, as nonsense. But what does the Spirit do for those of us who follow Jesus? He gives us, verse 16, he gives us the mind of Christ. That is, he enables us to understand the things written about Jesus in the Bible. These are spiritual words. We need the spirit to grasp them. Have you seen a movie called The Imitation Game? It's set in England during World War II. And the Brits, they keep intercepting these messages that the Nazis are sending each other. But the problem is no one can make sense of them. It's written, the, the, the messages are written using a code and they can't crack the code. And so they get this team of people. It focuses really on this, the one guy there, Benedict Cumberpatch, who plays a guy called Alan Turing. This guy, he leads a team of analysts and they build a machine to try and crack the code. And eventually they crack the code. And so now when the Brits intercept the messages from the Nazis, 
they can plug the message into their machine and the machine deciphers the code and suddenly the words on the page aren't just a bunch of gobbledygook. Now they can actually understand. They can make sense. They can read it. And so this plays a big part in the Allies uh, eventually defeating the Nazis. Uh, And there's a sense in which the Spirit is like that for us. Without him, yes, people can read the Bible and they can understand the words on the page. And In fact, there are many people who make their living by doing this, by being Bible scholars. They write big books full of big words about the Bible. And some people who do this aren't even Christians. Some people who do this aren't even led by the Spirit. Without the Spirit, people can read the Bible, but the Spirit is like that machine in the imitation game. He cracks the code for us, so to speak, because it's through him that we can see this isn't just a bunch of nonsense on a page, but we can actually see the wisdom of God in it. And so we can see the wisdom in accepting the Bible for what it says, not writing it off as foolish, but believing and trusting what's there. The Spirit friend guides us. He has the Bible written for us and then he's with us so we can understand it. The Spirit guides us by putting our eyes on the Bible. Now, so far this morning, I've said two things. One is that the Spirit guides us by putting our eyes on Jesus. The other is the Spirit guides us by putting our eyes on the Bible. Now, those two aren't two different things. It's not like we've got to be cross-eyed, one eye on Jesus, one eye on the Bible. They're the same thing. Because where is it that I hear Jesus' words? It's in the Bible. Where do I see Jesus' life? Where do I see him in action? Where do I meet Jesus? It's in the Bible. In fact, what is the whole Bible centered around? Jesus. Very clearly, this is true of the New Testament. He is the central big figure in the New Testament. But it's also true of the Old Testament. So look at what Jesus said to the people of his time. He said to them, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. The Bible is all about Jesus. And so spirit-led Christians, Christians who are guided by the spirit in life, they have their eyes set on Jesus as they meet him in the pages of the Bible. Which can sound, frankly, quite dull, can't it? We hear this and we can think, is that really it? You know, I was expecting something more, something bigger and better, as if the Bible's second rate. When we talk about being guided by the Spirit, often what we're thinking of is some kind of, is having a a, a mystical experience. Something that's otherworldly, supernatural, because if God did that for me, then I'd really know it was Him and what He wanted me to do. But here's the problem, friends. That is not what the Spirit does. He is not on about mystical experiences. The Spirit is on about Jesus. His focus is on Jesus, and so he wants us to have that same focus too. What does that mean for guidance? Well, it means that true guidance, true spiritual guidance, Holy Spirit guidance, it is when Jesus is bigger and bigger and bigger bigger for me true guidance is when the words of the bible are more and more shaping my life true spiritual guidance is when life is less and less about me because it is more and more about jesus that friends is real guidance but at this point 
most of us have a question. Is the Bible enough? I mean, sure, it tells me about Jesus. But there's all these other things in life that I'd love God's guidance on. And the Bible doesn't talk about them at all, or at least not directly. So is the Bible enough? Look at how one book puts this idea or raises this question. The book says, The Bible is a good, strong light, which clearly shows the way to go, but only for part of the journey. The Bible gives us a general way, but not about certain decisions like marriage and career choice. For these important additional decisions, other forms of guidance from God become necessary if we're to discover his will for us. Have you ever felt like that? You just wish God would talk directly to you about something? Here's the second thing I really want to say today. The Bible is all we'll need. The Bible is all we'll ever need. Because of the Spirit, the Bible is enough. Have a look at this passage. We'll dig into it over the next few minutes. This is from 2 Corinthians 16 and, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. I'll read it out to you. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice the claim here. The Bible, all of it in its entirety, is God-breathed. That is to say, it's from God. He, he, he breathes it out and there it is. God stands behind the Bible. That's what we saw earlier. The Bible has human authors, but behind that is God himself, is the spirit, the ultimate author of the Bible. Which means the Bible carries God's authority. Just like if you got a letter from the police or the courts demanding that you come there and be there, that comes with all the authority of the police and the courts. So it is with the Bible and God. The Bible carries with it all of God's authority. He's the one who's breathed it out. And so we say that the Bible is authoritative. When you hear the Bible spoken or read, you are hearing God's authoritative voice for your life. But there's something else too. God is the ultimate author of the Bible. He's breathed it out. And so the words of the Bible are trustworthy. They're trustworthy because they're breathed out by the God who himself is trustworthy, who cannot lie. Which means when you read the Bible, you can trust what it says. God doesn't lie. His word doesn't lie. You can trust what you read in the Bible. God's word is authoritative. God's word is trustworthy. And here's one final thing. Let me read those words again. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God breathes out the Bible to us. And why? So we would be ready. So we would be prepared. So that we would have enough for every good work. Nothing's missed. If we want to live to please God, the Bible gives us every way of how we need to do that.
And that is, we say, the Bible is sufficient. The Bible is enough. The Bible is all we will need. I once heard an old preacher talking, and he was dreaming of a job he would love to have. He said he wanted to work in a Christian bookshop. And he said, I'd wait there in the morning for the customers to come in. And perhaps the first customer of the day is a young lad in his 20s. And perhaps he comes and he says to me, oh, can you help me? You see, I'm the leader at my youth group at church. And I really don't want to know. I need a book that's going to help me lead the youth group. Can you help me find one in your shop? And the old preacher dreaming about his, his, his dream job would say to him, yes. Come with me. I've got the perfect book for you. Over here, come with me. It's called, maybe you've heard of it before. It's called the Bible. Would you like one? I've got one. I can, I can get you one here today. We've got plenty of them. And so it went on. The mum that came in who wanted to raise her kids well, the businessman who wanted to be ethical and person after person, all with their problems. And, and this old preacher dreamed of working in this Christian bookshop. And he'd take them all to the Bible. Why? Because he got it, didn't he? The Bible is sufficient. The Bible is what we need, friends, to be guided. This has big implications for us. This is the promise we are given, guided by the Spirit, to have our eyes in the Bible so that we can know Jesus. That's the promise we're giving. The Bible is enough. It is sufficient. And not only that, God has promised no other way of guidance. No other way of being guided by the Spirit. And so we should not expect God to guide us in any other way. Let me give you an example. We should not expect God to guide us through inner promptings. In the promptings, this is where we've got a decision to make and we don't know what to do. And so we kind of sit around and wait for the Spirit to prompt us in where we should go, and this way or that. Perhaps we find the Spirit, the, the inner prompting through a feeling of peace or, or through having a light bulb moment or maybe even through hearing the voice of God directly. But whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm there, I need to make a decision and I'm waiting for God to prompt me by His Spirit in which way I should go. Now, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem is he has already prompted you, friends. He's given you his word in the Bible. He's given you his spirit, and you can understand it then. The Bible is sufficient. And look, if we're honest, these inner promptings that we're waiting for, they're probably driven more by our own inner desires than they are the spirit. That's why I will feel some kind of inner peace. is because deep down I really wanted that anyway. And that isn't to say that the Spirit cannot prompt us. In fact, I think he does. He prompts me to remember the Bible and what it says. That is, when it's tax time, the Spirit prompts me to remember, now I'm supposed to be honest and not lie here. When my pay comes in, it's the Spirit who prompts me to remember, oh yes, the Bible says, be generous, not greedy. And so on and so on. You see, there's actually another problem, actually, before I move on with, with the inner prompting. That is, it can be open to spiritual abuse. Uh, I have a friend, I know a guy, he nearly married a woman that he had no affection for. He didn't particularly like her, but he nearly married her. Why is that? What would, what would convince him? 
Well, she had had a prompting, an inner prompting from the Spirit that they ought to be married. And so who was he to, to, to go against God's will here? She convinced him that this would be right. You can see the danger in this, friends. Now, luckily, he had some other people who got alongside him, and that didn't happen in the end. But can you see, this is actually open to spiritual abuse. We should not expect God or wait for God to guide us through inner promptings. Nor should we expect God to guide us through open doors. Now, open doors, these are where we've got a decision to make. We want guidance on something. And so we start looking for what doors God opens up for us, what opportunities God puts in front of us. And we think, well, if God is opening this door for me, I should walk through that. That's his clear uh, will for me. He's opened the door. I've got to walk through it now. What's wrong with that? Well, firstly, again, it forgets the Bible. It forgets that the Bible is sufficient. Instead of looking at the Bible and what it says, we end up taking our eyes off the Bible and looking at all the different options and see what's opening up for me. And again, if we're honest, when we're looking for open doors, we're really going to, only going to notice the doors that we want to notice. Can I take, for example, this idea of a career change? If you're looking for a career change, did you know God has opened up a great door for you? A great door to become a fruit picker. It's true, he has. There are doors open all across Australia to become fruit pickers. Farmers are crying out for it. Did you notice that open door for you? Probably not. I suspect not because we only notice the doors that are open to us. We only notice the opportunities before us that we want to. And often, we only notice the middle class doors that are open to us. Actually, the Bible doesn't talk about open doors in this way anyway. The Bible doesn't talk about open doors as a way to do guidance. The Apostle Paul had a couple of doors that were opened to him at different times, but he didn't use that to make his decisions. At one time, he says he does walk through an open door to start a ministry somewhere, and what does he get? Persecution. Opposition. The very things that for most of us, we would look at it and think, oh, that door's shut, isn't it? Another time there's an open door for him, but he doesn't take it. He's got an open door to start a ministry in a different place. He doesn't take it because he wants to be with one of his mentor, one of the guys he's mentoring with Titus. And whether it be open doors or inner promptings or any other form of supposed guidance, that's not how the Spirit guides. Remember, the Spirit guides us by setting our eyes on Jesus as we meet him in the Bible. Open doors and inner promptings, they tap into this idea for, uh, that we want guidance around things that just aren't in the Bible. Like, wouldn't it be great if I could just find my Bible and flip to the index and find Westwood, Scott, oh, there it is. Oh, yes, it tells me. Now, look out for this girl named Pip and get to know your Bible really well early in life. That'll come in handy later. And, oh, yeah, enjoy your 20s as well because in your 30s, your hair's going to go gray really quick. I can't do that with the Bible, can I? And I think, well... I want guidance on this, and the Bible doesn't give it, or at least not directly, so I must need something else. You see the problem with that, don't you? I have made guidance all about me. But it's not. Guidance is about Jesus. True spiritual guidance is having my eyes set on Jesus as I meet him in the Bible. Guidance isn't me telling God what I need to be guided in, Guidance is God telling me 
what truly is important in life. The Bible is all that we'll ever need for every bit of guidance. And this is where we'll pick it up next week. But for today, where do we end with then? Let me end with this. Are you then prepared for God to set the agenda for you? Are you prepared for God to tell you what he needs to guide you in? Because he says to you, the Bible is all you will ever need. So what's our knee-jerk reaction, friends? When we're looking for guidance in life, what is our instinct? Let's be those who instinctively, who just automatically always ask, well, what does the Bible say about that? Any other form of guidance is really just second rate. They're like sitting on the side of the road and making mud pies to eat, while across the street the bakery is giving out sausage rolls and cream tarts. The Bible is all you will need, friends. Do we want spiritual guidance? I presume the answer is yes. Then know this, that the Spirit will guide you as you put your head in the Bible so that you can meet Jesus and so that he becomes bigger and bigger for you day after day after day. Let me pray for us. Great God in heaven, We thank you for the Spirit. Thank you that we can know Jesus by your Spirit as we look in the Bible. We thank you that you have given us everything we need to live life, to live a life of good works before you. And so we pray, great God, guide us by your Spirit. Guide us into knowing your Word and knowing Jesus through your Word. We need your help in this so that we wouldn't be those who look to second-rate options for guidance. Please be with us, we ask our great God. In Jesus' name, amen.